Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. In this podcast, we'll talk about this week's games and what they mean for Borough's season, the early bird price increase, and answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown Podcast, and this is all your Borough Master Chatter in a pod. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Borough Podcast that gives you all of your Borough Match Day chatter in a podcast. And what a roller coaster of a week for anyone being a Borough fan. You know, a 2-1 defeat against Preston, the prices increase on the season tickets and also a 2-1 win against Leicester seeing Borough still well outside the playoffs. But who knows? It's Middlesbrough. You know, we can do the double over Leicester and we can't beat Rotherham. Um, but guys... <laughs> I did say it was a bit of a whirlwind roller coaster of a week. What were your one key takeouts? Uh, Dana, do you want to go first? What's your one key takeout from the week? That Borough need to keep the fans on side because I know you mentioned it there the early bird ticket increase. It's been a really disheartening week off the pitch, given that. And I was in the away end at Leicester yesterday, and the fans were just so supportive of the team. Even when we were under the cosh a little bit and Leicester were piling pressure on us, the fans really backed the players and Red Faction were there. They had their banner up that said MFC, bit of advice, lower the price, which was really good to see. It was well received by the Borough fans. And there were other people pitching into the chance as well. It was just a really united away end. Borough can't take that for granted. And yeah, the this week, I think the fans have been taken for mugs a bit with those price increases and particularly the deadline the very early deadline as well. So I think Borough really need to make sure that they keep those supporters in their court because, yeah, the, it, the 12th man is is pretty powerful when it really rallies behind the not just the team and the players, but the club as well. We all need to be together as one. Yeah, and, and for you, Tom, what are you going to go for for the, the one key takeout? You know, you've been fighting a, a battle uh, off the podcast over the last week or two as well. Yeah, you know, you know, I probably lost about two stone in the last week just from being ill. But um, <laughs> yeah, back back this week, thankfully, I was all ready to go. I was all ready to rant last week, and then very much on the brink of death on Sunday morning. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I was going to say, firstly, completely agree with what Dan has just said there. Secondly, I mean, it's such a cliche, but what a typical Borough week that was. 
I managed to actually make it out on Valentine's Day. So I was obviously getting the score updates <laughs> off my dad, and I'm like, I'm looking at it coming through, and I'm like, I just I didn't expect anything less. You know, Borough losing away at Preston in a midweek game. Or what's that? Emil Reese has just scored. Well, yeah, of course he, of course he has because he, he loves a goal against us. I'm pretty sure when I mentioned him in January, Dana said he's been injured for about two years. So, yeah, <laughs> it, it's ob- obvious that he'd, he'd come back and score against us as well. But um, and then yesterday as well, just seeing us uh, seeing us beat Leicester, I was like, you know what? I expected it. It's it's not even a surprise at this point. Both results this week are just completely expected. We'll probably draw against Plymouth next week. Next week now, but uh, yeah, it was um, obviously like you say a roller coaster of a week, but it's it's one you know I'm really not surprised by. Yeah, and for me, like I think my takeout was like borrow a box of chocolates, like uh, to really quote uh, Forrest Gump on that one because honestly, we we do not know what we're going to get with this side at this moment or this club. I mean, it's just so strange, you know. Very typical Borough, obviously, to lose against Preston. Um, very typical of us to, to beat Leicester with more injuries, which we probably won't allude to in the show, but there is more and more and more. That's kind of what Borough's season's all about uh, this year. The inconsistencies, the injuries, it's all piling up to to something you just don't even understand or can, can comprehend or anything like that anymore. But, you know, we can try and dissect it however we want. But we'll chat about the, the games against Preston and Leicester because, you know, two... 2-1 games, one we lose, one we win. Emil Reese obviously scored for, for Preston, which was his first goal, by the way, Tommy was saying earlier, in over 400 days. Um, so very typical Borough for us to concede a goal like that. But Tom, what, what do you think the results this week, given that we've, you know, we lost to Preston, we beat uh, Leicester, are they like the epitome of what Borough's season's all been about this year? Inconsistent, doing well against the teams at the at the top. Yeah, I'd probably say it is. To be to be fair, you know, against uh, against Bristol last Saturday home game, you should really be looking to win. Preston, a winnable away game, which we we've then lost. Don't forget, we obviously beat them four 0 at home, so it, it was winnable. And then you go and put it put in that display at uh, at Leicester yesterday. It's definitely the epitome of our season. Yeah, and why, why do you think, right? Why do you think we we couldn't beat Preston? But then we can three days later change it up and then put in something such as a, like a magnificent performance for a good eighty plus minutes against Leicester. About three days later, yeah, I think you have to take both games in isolation. To be honest, I mean, firstly, it just sums up the championship and it sums up Middlesbrough, as Tom said. And I mean, it gets pressy. It was sort of frustrating because we started the game well. I think we were we tweaked our approach slightly, which might have been due to the pitch. It was awful at Deep Dale. It really was. But we went. <laughs> more direct I think we were trying to pick up those second balls in midfield and I thought Hayden Hackney was running the show up until we conceded and of course we conceded after a spell of of really good possession and it looked like we were the stronger of the two sides and then yeah we obviously conceded a pig shit goal it was really poor from Rav it was maybe a poor clearance from Clark and then really poor from Glover as well getting beat from a shot that really didn't have any power or it it wasn't one of those that like would sting the palm of a goalkeeper, and obviously everyone will mention that it got beat at his near post as well. So that was really really disappointing. And then we got really sloppy after that. I think it was epitomised by Finazaz spinning really nicely beyond his marker, and then playing a really simple five yard ball straight out of play for a throw in. <laughs> yeah, it, it 
pretty much summed up our season. We actually uh, had a really good spell of possession and we looked threatening in the second half. And then obviously what happens after that, we score. But every time Borough seemed to give themselves a good opportunity, we obviously go and concede another pig shit goal. I mean, it was really unlucky the way that it fell to Emil Rees. And then I think the commentator said, actually, during the first half that Borough have gone into halftime losing 10 times this season and haven't ended up winning a, a single game from that losing position at halftime. So you're giving yourself a bit of a mountain to climb at, at halftime. I mean, you look at the stats and you, you think, OK, 20 shots. Great. We must have been threatening. We must have looked like we were the side that we're destined to go on to win the game, but we didn't actually create much. There was one chance, we, we created one big chance and it was Marcus Voss's uh, really instinctive shot, which Freddie Woodman reacted really well to. But other than that, we didn't really create an awful lot. And it was because Preston were packing the central areas every time that Sammy Silvera kept coming inside from the left. He was shooting, it was getting blocked. We did not attack the weaknesses of Preston and we actually played into their hands, unlike against Leicester, where we obviously saw that they play with that high line. They like to dominate possession. OK, fine. You know, we could sit back a little bit, adjust our tactics, try to hit them on the counter-attack. So unlike against Preston, where we played into their hands, I think against Leicester, we absolutely exploited a key weakness of theirs. And I think we were really effective within that. So it's just... It's just the championship in a nutshell and very, very typical of Borough. But I think the way that we uh, approach both games and the luck that we had in both games, it has to be said that against Preston, we were unlucky with the way that we could see the, the goal that obviously decided the game for them. And then the way that we rode our luck against Leicester, Fortune was with us in that game. So it's a bit of probably luck, contrasting luck from both games. And also the the approach, I think, was much better against uh, Leicester. There wasn't anything necessarily wrong with it against Preston. It was just that towards the, the end of the game where I really wanted to see Borough try to attack them a little bit more, we just played it to their hands, as I said. Everything in that central area was getting blocked and Borough just kept kind of filtering it through that way. Yeah, is that what you say would impress you the most uh, against Leicester than Dan, the ability to like, control the central area, you know, pick up on their weaknesses as well. Cause I know there's a little bit we can chat about around like their really high line, but would you say like the ability to pinpoint their weaknesses and really exploit them was the big thing that impressed you the most? I think so. Yeah. I mean, obviously it gets to the side like Leicester given the possession that they have, you are going to concede a few, well, quite a few attacks against them. I think the wide areas were, particularly important for them but the way that we defended once they got into the box uh, from those wide situations was really good there was one chance that that Vestergaard had and Dakar actually they both should have scored from those situations but after that I think Ailing at the back post really was strong in his defensive performance winning those battles at the back stick I think the way that we the way that Paddy McNair was really aggressive on Keenan Dewsbury Hall I think was really impressive as well obviously a player like Dewsbury Hall he's going to have an influence on on a game you can't completely shut him out but I think his uh, McNair was absolutely fantastic it has to be said because it was his first appearance since the beginning of December and he barely put a foot wrong there's only one thing that he did wrong actually which was in the second half he was aggressive and he pushed out and he, he kind of lost the flight of the ball and it ended up going to Jamie Vardy and he had the space but thankfully nothing came of it but yeah I, I was really impressed with how Borough dealt with with Leicester's threat in central areas and how we really counted them we were a threat like we absolutely deserved that victory obviously we rode our luck but we kind of earned it at the same time. Yeah, and look, it was our first win in Leicester since 2001. 
You know, we've done the double over them now. The only team to do that in the championship as well, which is, again, very, very typical Borough. And, you know, for me, when I'm looking at Leicester and how they've approached this season, I think, one, I think they've been very fortunate in some aspect to keep a hold of a lot of the players that, that got relegated last year. There was, no, there was no way that team should have been relegated, really, but there were. You know, I think that wage bill of, what, over £70 million is is really showing its quality, I would say, in, in the championship. I can't really say I'm, I'm too overly convinced by Maresca. I think, you know, he'll get... I would happily put a couple of quid on him getting sacked, sacked be the first manager to be sacked in the Premier League next year, if, if I'm honest. Um, but, it, yeah, it's 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 a bold statement, but I can just see it, you know. Um, but when I was watching them yesterday and how they were trying to play the game and, you know, try to have that really high line, the high press, and I thought it was really interesting because for a side who has very slow centre-halves and was able to, you know have a lot of space in behind and keep that isn't probably as, as great coming, coming off his line as, as you think you know it creates a lot of opportunity in the way that Borough were able to break you know getting those central areas and also getting behind I think Sammy Silvera had Vestergaard and fights on, on strings yesterday I thought it was really really good and I think the ability of where of, of Zaz to drop Zaz and Magritte to drop in when we needed to and control the central areas it was all accumulative in the game for Borough to, to go on to win the game. And, you know, the goals themselves, I think it shows one a highlighted weakness in Leicester where, you know, defensively, I think they are a little bit suspect on when they play so possession-based football because they're so expansive. When you are a very expansive team, sometimes you do create a lot of space in those central areas. And when you do catch teams on the counter and you're able to play out from the defence in the midfield and the forward line, which you spoke about last week, you can really cause a lot of damage. And I think we did that so, so well yesterday. And, you know, we were thoroughly deserving of the win. And But you know what? I was really de- I was really depressed going into that game on, on Saturday because I thought, I'm going to get dicked. I can't see us picking up a win. The game on Wednesday night, I was so frustrated because it. I was really frustrated because of just how we've been throwing games away and losing games we shouldn't really be losing. And it's not really disrespectful to Preston. I thought Preston were good to do the basics very, very well. They're able to win the jewels in the central areas and do some good stuff, but they're not very convincing, really. But just doing the basic things right, and we should have won that game against Preston, in my opinion. But we didn't. And going into Leicester, the system change, uh, Tom, it's something that we've seen probably over like the last big games that we've played. And we played against Aston Villa. We've done it against Chelsea. We did play three at the time with Leicester in the first game, and now again in the second. So we've had some really good wins off the back of it. Do you think that this? is a system we should stick to for the remainder of the season because we are, we I would say we look fairly solid, right? I don't think it's one we should stick to until the end of the season, but it's good to know that we have that as an option. Back last week, last Saturday, just before I got ill and when I still thought I'd be on the, on the pod on Sunday, I remember sending news a voice note and I was like, I, I was getting really annoyed about how we conceded goals against Bristol the fact that we like never changed anything, and same same kind of thing with Chelsea, where we were just kind of consistently trying to play out, uh, even though we were playing a team that was much 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 better than us, couldn't really do anything against them from doing that. And I'm like, we need to kind of be able to to change more in game, and it's always since last season, since what happened against Coventry, something I've wanted to see more of from Carrick. I thought Mark Robbins executed it fantastically in in those playoffs and it might not necessarily be that we stick to a set formation but you can make changes within the game to to win it or in in our case for big games but still have similar sorts of principles 
I think for big games, so like ones that we we still have coming up, we might be able to try it like Leeds at home, Ipswich away, etc. But I don't think it's something that we'll be doing Plymouth at home next week, for example. I think we'll be going back to the formation and system that we we want to work. However, like I say, it's it's just good to see from from Garrett now that he can change it up and we can play differently to get a result, but still kind of stick to to our principles, just, you know, changing formation up occasionally. Yeah, and that win, of course, seeing Borough go to seven points to the playoffs, you know, obviously this this gap's been getting bigger and bigger over the last couple of weeks, you know, the the defeats and like you were saying there, Tom, like the ability to... We, where we haven't really been changing it, I think, and now we have the ability to change it. I think there's a confidence there between fans. I think the fans are really kind of bought in with a three at the back, which is interesting. Uh, you know, in the wild, it was let's play four, let's play four. We've played four for a while and move back to a three. It's just very interesting that our football can come back around on these things. But you know, when you watch Borough play, we very much play a three at times, we do play multiple systems, and that's how the game is now. But what do you think this means for our playoff chances? And I don't want to call on this for too long because you could chat about the playoff race for the rest of the season on this show. I don't really want to go about it, talk about it too much, but do you think they're still done and dusted now, Dana? Like, I know we, we spoke about it last week in the Bristol City point we were kind of on the assumption that near enough done. Are you still in that, in that uh, frame of mind? Yeah, because I just can't see us putting a run together. I think Borough are the epitome of inconsistent this season and obviously House and Hackney are now injured. It always feels like, you know, we get a couple of players back, we lose a couple of players. It was always my fear. Everyone kept saying that, you know, we'll be fine once we get our options back. We can't keep them fit. I don't know why. I don't know if... Like, I'm not usually the one to think that a massive inquest is needed, but maybe it does this season because the sheer amount of injuries that we've got is just incredible. But yeah, I can't see it because I just think that we're too inconsistent. We blow hot and cold and you need a really good run to materialise. It could happen. It's not out of the realms of possibility, but for me, I'm still leaning on the side of no. Tom, are they done and dusted the playoffs or do you still have a, a glimmer of hope? No, I think they're done. I, I've had it kind of written off in my head since before Christmas just because uh, I, I never kind of looked at it and thought we had any sort of consistency there to, to actually make it. For January might have changed that if we'd have gone a little bit more all in to get a striker, but obviously we, we wait until till the summer. I think we do have an eye on next season. But like I've said all, all along this season, I think we will click and go on a run. And I think by about March or April time, we'll just miss out on the playoffs while it'll really click for some players. We'll be playing some really good football um, and, and we'll just miss out on it. I think that's what we're we're kind of destined for this season. Yeah, and on the players that you're saying that it's click and fall, Finazaz hated by a section of Borough fans a couple of weeks ago. But two and two. Now, you know, he's got a lovely goal against Preston, then a lovely little dink uh, yesterday. Do you think he's slowly starting to find his, his feet now, Finners, as Tom? Yeah, I'd say so. Bear in mind, like I said, due to being ill, I've still not been well up until yesterday. I've not managed to see a, a great deal of the games this week, so I'm having to go off, you know, extended highlights of, of what I can see and stuff. But he does look 
a lot better in what I've seen. Uh, obviously, the goal against Preston, I was delighted for him to get that, just because it, it did look like he was, the first few games, trying to get a goal, but also trying to really announce himself with an absolute screamer. I remember one, one against Sunderland where it was like, if you just take a touch, just slide it, really. And But you've tried to win the first time, and it's gone over the bar. And it, it did look at, at times in those games, like I say, he's just trying to score a screamer. But then he does against Preston, and then he scores a, <laughs> a like relatively easier chance uh, in comparison against Leicester yesterday. But also, what I was seeing in in what I've seen is that his build up. I mean, his build up play has never really been an issue. I would say in you know even the in person games I've seen, but it seemed better against Leicester yesterday. I would say obviously because of the position he plays, he's not he doesn't have the same build as like an Aaron Ramsey who came in last year or anything. He mm. does have a bit more kind of height and weight to, to utilise. And I saw him using that a little bit more yesterday and, and it's helped him to, you know, in, in what I've seen, turn and, and, and get a pass off. It does look like he's grown in confidence and if he can keep that up and kind of keep playing in, in those central areas, I, th- I think he's going to be one of the players who it does really click for come the end of the season. And, you know, by the end of, well, by the start of next season, we're all going to be, clamoring to watch Finn as us. Assuming, you know, he's not been sold after six months, but um, <laughs> yeah, how, how often does that happen? <laughs> yeah, well, know, was, was, a, was there a trend yesterday for Finn as us? I, I, I felt like I'd hear something in the commentary. They, they were singing, uh, do you want me to do it? Do you want me to actually do it? <laughs> I'm not going to do it. But it, was, it was, they were saying, ole, 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 finish, az, az, az. That's what they were saying. I uh, was yeah, going to well... actually like do the chant there, but it's just, oh, outside of a football, it's like an ick. Outside of a football setting, it's like, oh, stop that. <laughs> not going to lie. I thought I was going to like throw you into it and just do it there, but <laughs> I, know, I, I didn't get my wish. Um, but I, 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 I thought finish, az was amazing yesterday. Uh, I thought it was really, really good. You know, he's he's a player definitely that you can look at him. You go, you know, there's if we were able just to, you know, keep just keep let him develop a little bit more and just like and really show his quality and let him bet in. We've got a really good player there. We we really do. Um, I think he's so comfortable on the ball. And I think if you wanted to look at his performance yesterday in like a moment, apart from the goal, it's where just nutmegs Harry Winks and just. <laughs> Gets past him, and then it was his last bit of action before he gets sub. But I thought it was excellent, and you know the, the whole team was was excellent yesterday. And this kind of leads me quite nicely to our one of our happiest moments of the party each week, and it's the prison place. Ah, uh, yes, the present place, the only place where I'd give praise to a player, coach and staff member, Tom's lovely Croatia shirt, his retro Borough shirt from 2000, is it, ooh, was it 1999-2000, I believe, the blue and white one? Oh, might be. It was. Yeah, it was yeah. 1999, it's my birth year, yeah. but I don't know yeah, whether it's 99. 80, 98, 99 or 99 to 2000, but anyway, whatever. Someone's like cursing is... the screen, like, how do you not know this? <laughs> it is what it is. It's definitely nine nine zero. I definitely think it's that one. But anyway, um, we move on and also just give a bit of praise to uh uk because they've got our Bora Breakdown merch on there. If you're fancy wearing a Nice Slide Club shirt, a Shit House Island shirt, we've got all of our merch there. So do uh, have a look at those as well. The links are in the description below. But guys, who gets our place in the present place this week? Would you mind if I go first this week? Because I've got two yes. players in mind that I would really like to talk about uh, in Sammy Silvera and Riley McGree, the, the two Australian nationals. For us, they're in my present place this week because 
One, we have missed Riley McGree so much. Uh, he is just a wonderful, wonderful talent. And I've said this on this podcast many, many times. He is the best player at this club by a country mile. Just so good to watch. You know, we create so many more create so many chances he gets himself in really good positions and we just look so dangerous when he's on the pitch but also I want to give a shout out to Sammy Silvera as well because you know just pre to the 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 age cup when he's came back as well he's 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 looked sharper you know I feel like he's slowly starting to find his feet a little bit those couple of games before and then he's just came back now I feel like he looks like a player with a bit more confidence and you know we can be frustrated sometimes with his decision making but when he gets it right there's a really good player there, and I think there's there's a bit of excitement for me around Sammy Silvera, and hopefully next year we can really see that as well. You know, we've got Finners as the Sammy Silvera, hopefully can find his feet more, and if we can keep hold of Ryland McGree, then it's a quite an exciting front line as well. And you know, we hopefully we can keep uh, building onto that. But yeah, two def- two players that really stand out for me. You know, you can go for more and more in terms of players. You could say the whole squad, everything, but. For me, those those were my, my two standouts yesterday. Maybe a shout out to Rad Vandenberg as well for just always being brilliant. But Tom, who is gonna be in your praise and place this week? Like I say, tough one for me this week, uh, given the limitations of what I've seen. But I'm gonna go with Finn Azaz. Two goals and two is nothing to be sniffed at. So uh, and, and obviously finally getting your uh your scream the goal that you've been aiming for <laughs> for you know the past few games before that. So he's definitely in there. And then also I'm going to go with Paddy McNair, coming back into the team after after so long out, coming back in as captain and, and you know, putting in a, a strong defensive display alongside uh, Raven McClark uh, to keep out pretty much the the champions elect of, of the league uh, for, for most of the game until Jamie Vardy scored, because, of course, he scored. Why wouldn't he? Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, I've, I've, like I said, to to be out that long and then come back in as captain when called upon is uh, is good work from him. So I thought it deserved praise. Yeah, and and for you, Dana, to to round it off, who's in your prison place this week? I think it's only right I put Michael Carrick in there after starting the podcast last week with a little bit of criticism aimed at him. It wasn't, you know, I didn't go in on him. I just said that he's a, a coach in development, and it kind of shows. But he got it absolutely spot on against Leicester it was the second time at home this season across their 17 matches that Leicester have conceded two goals so it was a really effective setup he said or hinted that he you know would change something he did and it shows that he he does have that flexibility and I absolutely loved that moment at the end where he went over to the Borough fans and they were giving it the oh and then he kind of like went Neh. then he turned around he gave it two bus driver uppercuts and then a good old slam dunk kind of uh, fist pump as well it was very modernized Gareth Southgate and I really quite liked that so yeah it was a big big plus for Carrick this week he got it absolutely spot on and I think he deserved to be the winning coach at the end he's done the double over Leicester that's um that's really good from him and kind of up yours Enzo for 2006 uh, we'll take the six points thank yeah. you you can have your you were for cup trophy we don't need that yeah, we'll just the get the six ta- points yeah the Twitter tacticals will not have been uh, happy with with that performance but it is what it is and you know I agree with you Daniel or Michael Carrick as well I think if you want to put another person in there as well I think Mike Carrick is 100% deserving of that and the coach staff do as well to change things to make us more solid to find a different way to win a game is what you always want. Sometimes you have to go away from what you always do to achieve something that you need to. And 
was a unreal performance, wasn't it? Can I mention Lewis O'Brien as well, who had his you his can, best performance can, yeah. in a in a Borussia? I really like Lewis O'Brien, and he it's such a shame that the injury has has obviously held him back in terms of minutes. And he said after the game that he's still not one hundred percent from it. It's not a case of well, you're match fit, you're one hundred percent fit. But really promising signs from him yesterday. I thought he was excellent driving at Leicester on the counter attack, and um, I, I really want us to sign Lewis O'Brien on a permanent. I've yes. I've always wanted that since he joined, so hopefully we can make that happen. Yeah, I think it's just dependent on where Nottingham Forest finish. I think, yeah, um, which they should be fine. Who... There's some awful teams in the Premier League, probably oh. more so than them. Yeah, but they do have that potential deduction of points, which you need to probably talk about as well. Everton are in the mix as well with that again. So who knows? But I agree. I would love to sign Lewis O'Brien. You know, especially with you know Hayden Hackney most likely going to be leaving in the summer. Let's be honest. Lewis O'Brien's there. Mm. Hackney's probably the easiest one to replace. To be honest, in terms of like position, trying to get that type of player, there is there. But anyway, that's for another time. Let's move on uh, now to podcast questions. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
IS podcast questions. Every week, you get the chance to ask us a question by Twitter, uh, Bora underscore. Uh, breakdown uh, email the board breakdown at hotmail.com or by joining our telegram chat wall 415 Bora fans chant anything but Bora and we do chat about some things you know the match days are always a fun one everyone just loving it <laughs> especially when we because when we're getting big good god um, and they love so Green the Matt in particular um, by the way shout out to Green Matt shout out to Green whoever you are Green Matt shout out to you no relation to Tom but there's our question of the week. People might not get that, but you know, some people might. It nearly went over um, my head. I know. There you go. Um, but the question we got for today, I'm going to leave it as one because we have a lot to talk about in terms of the early bird uh, prices. But Ben Strickland sent us a question. He said, "Going into the summer, uh, how many players do you think we need? Looking at it now, we may need to bring in five or, or six. It's an interesting one because there is some players out of contract. Um, there's some players that will most likely be moved on." Um, but Tom, I'm, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on it, and we'll probably get all of our opinions on it as well. So, how many players do you think you think we need in the in the summer? Yeah, I think, like you say, there are potential sales and end of contracts to to be coming at the end of the season. I think I agree with Ben where he says we need another five or six. He actually uh, he put some out on Twitter the other day, and his choice for striker was the same as what you've said, and I'm completely. 100% bought in on this that we need to go all out for Tyrese Campbell. Obviously out of contract at the end of the season. That would be uh, a great free agent signing uh, to start off with. So that would be one. Ideally, I'd like another striker. I think we'll probably need another midfielder. I, like you guys have just said there, I think I'd probably love that to be Lewis O'Brien as well. Um, right back... I think we might need another centre-back and I'd probably just say like another attacking midfield option. So, yeah, that does put us on six. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what we, we do in the summer. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping, given the, the sales we've made, um, I'm pretty sure, I read on, on one borough before we sold Crooks, we were pretty much at a net spend of zero. Mm. Bringing in that, that Crooks money, we're probably on a positive net spend. So... Oh, would that be negative? Whatever way around it is, it's good for us. <laughs> so going into the summer, we should have, well, I would hope we do, a little bit of um, of room to spend financially. So, yeah, fingers crossed we can we can bring in five or six of, of some real quality in, in the summer and, and have a go next season. Yeah, and, and for me as well, like, I think we will have put, hopefully have more money to spend than we, than we have in previous years. If, if if we can, obviously there's a bit around like the early bird on that, but the I think for me, yes, definitely centre forward. I would love Tyrese Campbell. I really really like him as a as a profiles player. And if he can get going, unreal. I mean, definitely the right back. I can't see a sign of Alien. I definitely can't see a sign of Thomas either, and I definitely can't see a sign of Sam Greenwood. So there's three players that you need to bring in already. Off that, if you want to add a third uh, person for the left back role, and you know there's. A number of players I think we can look at as well. Definitely centre forward. I agree with you, Tom. Probably uh, another midfielder uh, for, for Hackney and, and hopefully get another player in for midfield because O'Brien's not going to be here and neither's going to be house side. I don't think. Maybe don't shoot the messenger on that one. But I just think that we we do and probably will need to refresh. But it's much better to be in this position now than we were in last year where we were needing a lot of players like eight, nine, ten this year. It's probably only half of that, which is a bonus, I guess. But then what, what do you think? How many do you think we need? Well, I've actually gone seven. I feel like that's quite a 
it's quite a lot compared to what you've said. I've gone with a right back because I can see us moving Dyke still on. I've gone for a centre back because I can, well, McNair's out of contract. I can't see that changing, so he'll leave in the summer. Gone for two central midfielders, including O'Brien, because I think Hackney will end up leaving. Corburn, for me, should probably go out on loan, so I'm thinking two centre forwards. I mean, we need centre-forwards anyway. And actually, a, a left-winger, because aside from Rani McGree, there's not much depth, really, in that position. And I think it's quite a it's quite a specific position, isn't it? Because I think you need to be a sort of off-centre number 10. You need to roam into those central areas. So maybe a, a, a left-winger as well that's versatile that can maybe, maybe offer that traditional left-wing role, but is also comfortable coming inside as well. So seven yeah. for me. Yeah, and on that winger point as well, so, like, I would say out and out winger, like a bit different. Do you know what I mean on the left? Like, yeah, on the left. So sometimes you can play with two wingers rather than just have the one mm. winger and Isaiah Jones. I may play four. Say just having that option. I think it's, it's always good to have options down. And if we have them, then absolutely brilliant. Let's move on. Let's let's talk talk about the <laughs> the big elephant in the room, really, around the season ticket prices. Because you know this week, uh, Middlesbrough announced the early bird prices for season tickets for next season. The other bird prices have went up by uh, about 5.5% to 6%, however you want to calculate. Um, and the deadline was initially announced to be the 15th of March, and it's the earliest it's ever been. So th- there is a spreadsheet. Uh, I want to credit Sean Wilson, who is an unbelievable statsman when it comes to Millsborough. And if you haven't got him a follow on Twitter, please do, because some of his stuff's really, really insightful and really cool. What we were looking at, the, the deadlines in, in general, the average really, we were looking at probably April time. There has been the occasional May deadline as well, but this was the earliest it's ever been on the 15th of March and when it was initially announced. And then after consultation with a supporters forum and also with, with 12th man, Rob Nichols was probably the key members that were mentioned. Borough have moved it back to the 30th now, so giving people an extra two weeks, two and a bit weeks to, to get the, the payment in. And also Red Faction as well have, have been among a number of fan groups and, and communities who have basically been saying that they're against the prices, it shouldn't go up anymore. Um, and they are planning to, to make a stand to that as well. So the, the 6% as well doesn't cover what Borough uh, are going to be losing in terms of costs uh, year on year. It's up by 12% across the group. But appreciate it's a business. But guys, I'm really keen to hear what you think about all of this because it's a very touchy subject, I definitely feel like, um, in football, not just in this club, but also across the entire fan groups as well in football teams. I'm very interested to see what Sunderland do as well this year. Um, but Dana, you said at the start of the show, it was a bit of an on goal from Borough really to, to come out the way they have. What do you think of the season ticket increase for, for next season? Well, I must admit, when I saw it and when I saw that mine had gone up, my reaction wasn't one of surprise or even shock because I think I've been conditioned as a football fan to expect to be priced out of what is a working class game and that is really disheartening to be honest and we can talk about the rising costs all we want you know we were in Millsborough supporters forum meetings Johnny where it was detailed to us exactly you know how much it's going to go up but Borough aren't exclusive to that they're not individual to that I think every club in the championship will be experiencing those rising costs because you know the the living is going up isn't it the price of actually living is going up so why is it then that we have to increase our prices you know it Sunderland will be an interesting one because they're the closest to us in terms of region and 
if they don't go up, it's going to look incredibly bad. I don't know if theirs have gone up yet. I don't know what's been announced from them. But what I also think is, what I don't like is that Borough are essentially hoping that Borough fans' blind loyalty will keep them engaged and, and get them to purchase the early bird price, which it probably will. Like, I'll hold my hands up and say that I probably will end up purchasing an early bird season ticket, even though it's at that price, because all I've ever known is to follow Borough. And all my weekends have ever been is going to the Riverside and following Borough. But there's just a lack of incentive to it. Like when I worked at Red Car Athletic, we did a membership scheme where there was so much more incentive than the football I think they conceded that you know given the level that they're at in Northern League Division 1 that the football isn't always going to be worth it and even though it's a completely different level at Borough it's still very much the same sometimes the football just isn't worth it it's very dependent on success and style of play so I think you've got to bring about different ways of essentially making that worth it and at Redcar we had basically an app which enabled fans to go to particular club partners like Rita's for example or micro pub on the corner near the uh, red car pier and get a discount you've mentioned it before Johnny go to the Riverside shop and enable season cardholders to get a discount there's just not a lot of incentive behind the season card which I think makes it even worse and then it's compounded with a really cheeky and audacious really early deadline like that was for me and the coldness of the email as well, which didn't even say thank you for the support. There's no marketing, there's no campaign, there was just nothing. It was just there, pay. And I think that's what really pissed the fans off. And I tell you what, Borough were lucky that they had two away games after this because if it was at home, it would have got very, very toxic. I think it was just an absolute PR on goal. And I think this needs to be a period where Borough need to reflect on what they've done, what they've sent out, the message that they've sent to their supporters and think, is it worth it? Because, yeah, the fans are not happy and they, they will take a stand and it will be far more vocal this time than it ever has been. And, you know, I back that. Tom, McKinney, can you get your thoughts as well? Obviously, we, we haven't really seen each other in the last couple of weeks, so I'm going to get most of your thoughts of it. But uh, I'm keen to see what you, what you think of it as well. Yeah, I think one of the uh, the key things that, that Dana just mentioned there, which is the thing that really stuck out for me, was the coldness of, of the email that was sent out. And it, it didn't mention anything. There was no, you know, meet Woody's new bird or I'll lay that. It was, it was just email there going, well, your season ticket gets your receipt for, for the season and you can get more priority points for, for away games. So, yeah, buy one. And I'm just I'm looking at it and I'm like, you've done that for mid March, which I mean, t- to be fair, like I knew the early bird uh, deadline would have been coming. I was planning more for the end of March or April financially, mm. and I think most fans probably would have been. So for it, uh, <coughs> sorry, for it to have come mid March, which, like you say, is the the earliest it's it, it's ever been. I was just like, what? There's no reasoning behind it or anything like that. The actual increase when I'm kind of taking it into account is like, it's an extra 30 quid on last year. And I think they did eventually say in the second follow up kind of thing where they said they've changed the deadline. They were like, oh, it's due to rise in cost. Like, right, that's slightly more forgivable if I'm kind of trying to justify it and I'm spreading that 30 pounds over 23 games of the season. It's not that much more per game. Yeah, that's okay. I'd still prefer the price to be lower, but 
that's probably the most forgivable part of it for me. But I don't think it needed like a full-on marketing campaign or anything like that. But we needed something more than what we got. I would say even last year or the year before, like we had the whole uh, what was half-season ticket thing when the feeling was good under Wilder or the Wilder card. And like last year, it was built on a lot of good feeling. This year, there's very little to be positive around this season. I I think the club are kind of aware of of people's opinions on where the club's been as as a as a season this year and what we're likely heading towards i think it's not the playoffs there, there was nothing in that email which would say this is a good reason to ring you or this is why you should be doing it like this early or anything like that which was just really really torn deaf and i just i can't understand who who signed that off like what they were thinking when they signed that off to to be sent out to fans because i don't understand if they were expecting a different sort of reaction to it because i'm like i'm looking at it i'm thinking people are only going to react to that in one way so what were you thinking so yeah it was the main part for me was just the way it's been done I'm happy the deadline's still been pushed back. But, I mean, for me personally, I am still thinking about would I rather spend 510 quid, I think it is now, on that, or would I rather save me money and do something else on a weekend? Because this weekend, uh, not this weekend, this season's not really given much to, to be inspired about. And obviously there's been nothing said about what we're trying to achieve next year as well. So it's like give us a little bit more information and incentive to renew. Yeah, and like on, on that as well, I think if, we, if we're able to get like the, the early bird deadlines up as well, I think if you, you you both mentioned it around the deadlines, nine times over the the last fifteen seasons, nine times have been in April, so early middle April has been the time where it looks to renew. Now, if you look at the thirty first of March, it's been now it's probably throughout the last four years have been in the end of March, and obviously we've got two there for May. For me, it was frustrating. I think I knew, obviously, I knew prior to the announcement that was going up. I was at the sports forum uh, on the on the Monday. I think it was announced a bit later on in the, in the week that it was uh, the week after that it was going to go up, and it was relayed back to to rise in costs across uh, the season. Or have, have noticed a, a big increase in, in costs, I think about twelve percent. So the season ticket inflation itself doesn't really cover the loss that Borough are having as making as a club anyway. So there's that. So Borough do have a bit of a loss. It's a balance for, for Borough and, you know, where you kind of say, right, if we don't make enough commercial or make enough revenue this year, that means our loss is going to be higher. The loss is going to be higher means it's going to be less potential incomings or outgoings depend on what we want to do as a, as a club in terms of on the pitch. So there is some sort of domino effect around it all where if you don't get the revenue, you don't really have a bigger budget. The bigger budget does is the bigger budget enough to bring in the quality of player that you want to bring in to, to go for a for a amount of the division. And then there's also another aspect of it as well where you look at the season ticket price and you look at it across the entire of the football league and you look at the Premier League as well. Boris I think it's fifth or sixth highest in English football, which is really interesting. When you look at it from a Premier League perspective, I think you can't look at it because the amount of commercial impact that they have and the amount of money they make, and the same with like Bayern Munich as well, and all the big clubs, they can afford to have a really cheap price because they make enough revenue throughout the year to really afford that the loss and the impact that they have that can make millions and, and billions, some clubs, but for Borat, they're heavily reliant on ticket sales. And when you look at this from from my perspective, 
I think that you should not always have majority of your revenue stream coming from one area as could be you have to make different areas of where you're able to generate revenue and sometimes it's going to be fan related and your customer there's one aspect where it shouldn't impact fans at all where is investment in brand where is investment in in different areas to try and bring what support within it and then also what else can you do to really drive your reach or improve your reaches in your customer fan base because i think it's very naive to say that Middlesbrough fans are only from Middlesbrough. It's not. A very good brand and a very good digital strategy can really open up a lot of conversations across the globe. You know, you can look at teams like, also Wrexham's a fine example, but they are, they've got their own story, they're everything. Massive global fan base now. Sunderland, dare I say, increased their fan base by Sunderland till I die, which is, yes, we all laughed at them, but they probably could increase the revenue from different countries from there. So you've got to have a look at the content element of it and there's free ways of doing that on YouTube, all that kind of stuff, this digital strategy that can really help with that. And Boris should not be naive in that world because it is a very, very good thing for longer-term success for that. Um, work with brands myself, I've done it myself, so I know it's definitely it's definitely do- doable. But for me, the the ticket price themselves, like I'm I'm a bit annoyed at how much revenue do you need, and also a four fans going to accept like mid table, also recruitment as well. You can always bypass recruitment. There's always different ways that you have to impact the fan. Or I need to do more. They need to be better, and they have to improve that communication with the fans. I think there's there's a lot of gains that you have to make. And an openness and uh, the ability to kind of communicate with the fans to say, this is what we're seeing. This is how the things are increasing. This is why we need to do certain things. This is what we're doing. That will go a long way if it's very open and transparent, but it doesn't, when it's very closed box and you can't see what's happening, it raises more questions than answers. And I think this is where you see a lot of people getting frustrated because they don't understand why prices go up. I think some fans can say, oh, we paid 8 million for Rogers, so that's 8 million the key, which is probably not the case. But if Borough communicated that, you kind of go, right, well, that makes a lot more sense for us to, okay, well, this Rogers money is going on the, on the lecky bill, Osmond. This is going on somewhere else. But then we've got this in our budget for, for, for next year. It's understandable, but we just don't do it. But they are doing more stuff with the supporters forum and group fan bases and getting on podcasts and stuff, which is you should be doing as a, as a club. But we need to do more of it. And also, if you are getting people into these conversations with the club, you have to take their opinion and also implement it if there's enough argument for it. There's a number of conversations that you can have, but you've got to implement them too. But overall, I would say I'm disappointed with the increase. Or did I expect it? Yes. And will we see an impact on Borough over the next few months? I will. I'm probably going to say that we will see a bit of an impact because it only takes a few thousand people not to renew this. Well, a couple of thousand people not to renew this year, and you've lost a lot of commercial revenue, which you already would have got if you just kept it at the same price. So it's a gamble for them, but at the end of the day, it depends on what people think and whether they want to renew or not. And I'm really keen to hear the conversation as well. So if you have to have an opinion on it, I would 100% put it in our comments. We can take that to a supporters forum. We can echo your opinion as well. And I think that's a kind of a place that we should really open that up to with our Telegram chats there. We've got all that stuff there. If you ever have an opinion on it, do bring it because we have that accessibility now, I think, as a podcast, which I never thought we would. I thought we were just a podcast, but it turns out we can be a lot more than that. But guys, is there anything else that you would like to kind of chat about in that 
in that realm on seeing ticket stuff. Is there any other opinions that you want to raise or are you happy to kind of leave that conversation there? Dana, do you got any have you got anything else? Well, I was just going to say I hate how football is. I think there's a systemic yeah. issue there with it. And I know this is because I'm not entirely clued up with like the kind of market strategy as, as you guys are and like the commercial side of things. But, you know, just as a fan, like as a person, it it, it is disheartening and completely disillusioning that I'm looking at like, for example, the cost of uh, a shirt. Like I tried to get a Crooks mm. Real Salt Lake shirt the other day it would have cost me $179 to get a real Salt Lake shirt with crooks on the back. Now, I know that that's America, but I think football in general just has a big problem in pricing out its core. Like, it is a, or it's supposed to be anyway, a working class sport, and it's so far away from that. It's untrue, and it's just, I hate what it's become, essentially. Like, yeah, you go to the, the Riverside and the, well, not necessarily the Riverside, you've got the concourse of a stadium, the price of a pint, the price of a hot dog. Like, it's crazy how expensive football is. And it just, it just shouldn't be the case for me. And, and I know there's like reasons behind it that kind of go outside of football. And football kind of, I guess, is just one of the many dominoes in that kind of sequence. But I just, I can't stand the way that football has just become so bloated with money people don't know what to do with it and they're pricing out the fans because the fans at the end of the day it's so cliche but they are the very very cornerstone of football clubs and if you take out the fans you take out the heart of a football club and yeah I guess just just final point to leave at the door that I just hate how expensive football is it I really wish it wasn't the case yeah and, and I echo that as well like it's went pretty silly I think when you have billionaire owners coming more and more into the game the the whole commercial output of football that from what it was even in you know early 2000s to now the 90s you know there's a lot of money getting spent now and it's very very scary to kind of see that and that in itself has a domino effect on so many different things if you're paying a player over 200 300 grand a week yeah i've got a few problems uh coming coming your way in the short term and does anyone need 300 grand a week? I don't know. That's, that's a normal conversation. Probably not. But it's they're, they're getting it and you can't complain about it. And if someone's earning it, they're earning it. And that is, that's it. But you've got to try and find ways to make more. If you're going to have to try and find ways to make more money, you've got to, have to be creative. It, it's not like making money can be a very difficult thing for a football club. There's a lot they can do. And I think you've got to be very, very open and having a, a different strategy to, to really improve that. Like, and whether that's naive or what, but we have to look at these different ways of, of doing it and finding efficiencies. Not and I, what I really don't want, and, it, and what would really upset me is if I was at a meeting and they said, "Oh, well, we've always done it this way." That will really, really annoy me because you should never always do it that way. It doesn't always mean it's the best way, and we need to massively improve things. I think as a club, still, I've I've been banging on the door for this for years around how commercial we can improve can do a like a, a low ticket price but on upselling in in the stadium can you do more deals with like the the pies and the pints can you do in a, like an investment where if you get a season ticket you get five percent off the club shop throughout the year there's so much you can do in in That's that world um, sorry to to put your point off there because i've just got the the membership 
like this is a Northern League Division One side, right? Bear, bear that in mind because Borough can implement this being a, a side with obviously more tools to be able to implement something like this. But the membership at Redcar, entry to first team games, reserve games, women's home league games, there was a stay local card. So every um, kind of marked place in Redcar, like I mentioned, Rita's earlier, you would get the opportunity to have discounts in those particular uh, retailers. 10% off all food and drink at Red Car Athletic, uh, an invite to the quarterly members meeting and free entry into the monthly quiz. Like if you upscale this into Middlesbrough's area, it could do so much. And it's just that extra incentive that I think we just don't have. And to add to that, obviously Red Car Athletic don't have a bit, you know, a club shop necessarily. Although they, they do, it's like a tiny thing though. It's nothing on the on like Borough scale. As you said, their discount on the club shop, there's just so many things that they could do to just further bring people in and make people think, oh, it's, it, it's worth it. You know, because mm. at the end of the day, the football, it depends on whether the football's good or not, that people will sit yeah. back and say, yeah, that's worth it. Yeah. And like on the pitch as well, like if Borough were bottom of the league, right, you could give a ticket away for a pound and, we st- and people would still not turn up. It's such a volatile industry. So you have to play the long game. You have to have to play it. For me, my last key takeout of it all is invest in your brand. Invest in that brand and really try and make Middlesbrough a very more commercial, lucrative company in general. You can do that through so many different streams and it's not hard and it's not a huge investment either. You can invest a couple of million pounds into it. I've seen it and done it. Like You can do all that and you can shift some really good metrics on it, but it's how you want to play it play the long game and it's not just us it's the fans 10 years from now that you need to worry about and that's where you think you should look at too but tom is there anything else that you want to you want to chat about in around this section or or have you got any final points at all i I was just thinking there while you've been speaking i think one final thing that i think could help in terms of actually getting people to take up on season tickets would be hearing from someone like michael Carrickock here and scott and be like look this is what the aims are for next season and this is why we need your support through through buying season ticket give a little bit more incentive to to buy in one because i mean there was price increase last season and i think as much as people weren't happy with any sort of increase and they're never going to be it was easier to justify that with yeah. what was going on on the pitch and the way it looked like the club was going, the trajectory we were on. It was like, yes, we might lose players in the off-season, but we might still be looking at some significant fees. And the way the club's been going so far, there's a good chance we'll be watching a promotion season next season. It hasn't panned out that way. And I think looking at how the season's played out, I think it is clear that the club are taking a longer approach to to actually progressing and thinking, you know, we're going to develop players this season. We still don't have all the positions that we need filled and (coughs) we're probably waiting for for certain players at the end of this this season. But to everyone who bought a season ticket at the end of last season, they're just kind of like, well, this is crap. This is so far of a step backwards from where we were last season. And we've paid increased prices for it. feel a little bit ripped off, which I know you can't really do with football because it is so volatile in terms of performances on the pitch and, and, and you know, where we might finish in the league and stuff. So you go to sport the team, you don't 
go to see the team win every week. However, I think there was a, a realistic expectation last year that we were probably going to try and push on and get promoted this year, and it just hasn't happened. So I think for next year, it's just kind of like, what are we actually aiming for? Obviously, the club can't really come out and say if it's going to be another transition season or not, because that's going to negatively impact season t- ticket sales as much as we'd love them to to be honest and be like oh in that case i'm not coming anymore um i'll pick and choose my games or something but if we're planning on having a a, a go at it next season and you know w- we are probably going to have a all all the positions filled that that we've left empty this season and and next season might be uh completely different why don't you just get someone out to say that and be like look next season is looking promising for us if we can do what we want to do to do that and come and support the team buy a season ticket so it would give a little bit more of a, a usb to, to buy in something even though i think a key one would be what you've mentioned in terms of adding things that a season ticket might get you something like this might also help yeah, and to round it off, I would say Middlesbrough are paying as a club are paying now for bad investments that they've made in the past. Sixteen million pounds on British Sambalonga and thirty grand a week. There's so many investments that you can look at which we've got horrendously wrong. And we you know, we I think we everyone said about it in the past, if you invest badly you'll pay for it eventually. We I think we've done that as well. I think as a club we've we've kind of got things badly wrong on on the pitch which has affected us off the pitch just as much and you can't always expect a fan to to foot the bill for that and and, and that's it you can't expect the them thing. to y'all want to do it the fans will always suffer at the end of the day the amount of money in the game the fans will always be the one that has to pick up the pieces and I, and I don't agree with that whatsoever Okay then. Well, before I round things off, we're just going to say that we've got um, a match next Saturday. The borough they do have Plymouth uh, at home, and we've got an opposition preview show coming later on this week with uh, with Argyle Life as well. Uh, but guys, just quickly, your predictions for the game, your score predictions, if you've got one, and then we'll round it off. So Dana, what's your score prediction against Plymouth? Two one borough. Two one borough. Tom, what are you going to go for in terms of score prediction? Um... I'm going to go 2-0 Borough and also append that by saying Finazaz is going to make it 3-3 three three against his old team. Oh, yes. Like good, good prediction. And I think that Azaz might score as well. I'm going to go with a 2-0 and I'm going to go with Azaz and McGree uh, will be our goal scorers. But guys, thank you so much uh, for joining me uh, as always. To the listeners and viewers, thank you so much for listening and watching us. Don't forget to give us a comment on your opinion on the season ticket in prices in the comments below on, on YouTube, but also tweet us or message us on, on, on Facebook or wherever you, you got your most active on social media or the podcast apps. Do us give us a five-star rating, all that kind of fun stuff. Engage with us. Let us know your thoughts. We can always bring that back and collect that for you and push it back to the club. But for right now, we are like a box of chocolates, this club. We just don't know what we're going to get. This is the Board Breakdown podcast, and that was why I bought a match day chatter in a pod of the Board Breakdown. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.